1912, a telegraph operator on a ship received a message from another ship warning of icebergs in the area. The operator took the message and put it under a paperweight and continued on with his work, never delivering the message to the captain. A few hours later, that ship that the operator was on, the Titanic, hit an iceberg and sank, taking 1,500 people down with it. The operator had vital information that could have saved thousands of lives, but his failure to act on that information resulted in disaster. So today, as we go into the second week of our series of genes, I want us to take a look at who we are. To take a long, hard look in the mirror and see what we see in the reflection that looks back at us. Not who we act like we are, or not who others perceive us to be. Not who we've been in the past, or who we want to be in the future, but who we really are right now. Because if you're like me, we've, we've spent our whole lives studying the Bible and hearing the Bible, which means that for years and years we've heard the inspired words of God. But the problem is, as we're going to see today in this passage from James, is that it's not good enough to just hear something or to receive a message. We have to do something with it. If we're just going to put it under a paperweight and forget we ever heard it, it's almost better to not have heard it in the first place. The thing about the Bible is that it's not a book that's just meant to be read. It's meant to be applied. It's the very living words of God. And once we've heard them, we are supposed to allow them to transform us and change us. But we aren't always the best at that. It's easier to see what other people are doing wrong in their lives than it is to see and acknowledge what I need to change in my life. Now James says that we should look in the word like a person looks in the mirror. And that's what we're going to try and do both this week and through this series. Every Christian should be a doer of the word because just being a hearer is no better than not hearing the message at all. So let's open with prayer and then we'll listen and apply to what the word has to say for us today. Father God, I thank you for what you've done for us and I thank you for sending your son to save us. And I just ask that as we study your word both this week and every week that you would uh, help us to hear the words, but to also apply them to our lives and to change and to transform us so that we can become reflections of you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you have your Bible this week, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, and I'll read all of that together. And this first few verses should sound somewhat familiar. Um, I realized as I was studying this week, I preached on them one of my first weeks here. <laughs> so. so starting in verse 19... My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at themselves, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and thoughtless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So there's a lot there, um, and there's a lot of heavy stuff in this passage. Um, it's very direct, very harsh. Um, now, those first few verses, I'm going to read them again. We're not going to talk too much about them, because, again, I did preach about them a few months ago. Uh, but it's important to understand, because the whole context of this passage is kind of focused around the, the same topic. So, I'll read this again, just the first two or three verses. Uh, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So, especially about the anger, this is some of the most common pieces of advice you'll find in Scripture, especially in Proverbs. And this is where we start off. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules a spirit than he who captures a city. And then Proverbs 19.1, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech but is a fool. And I could go on and on. The whole book of Proverbs especially is just littered with these types of verses about anger and controlling our tongues. But the point is that humility pleases God much more than anger. Wisdom comes from being silent and slow to respond. And when you do respond, you take your time to think over your response before you give it. You never lash out in anger or react to what you hear. Now, it's easy for me to say this, uh, and of course it's much harder for us to apply to our lives, uh, because at some point... We've all been angry. Now, the original audience would have understood well what was meant by this. Uh, you may remember from last week that when this letter was written, the church, we believe, was in the midst of its first big persecution after Stephen was stoned to death, and they'd been scattered uh, out into the surrounding areas. Now, at the same time in the Jewish community, there were these groups of rebels called zealots who were trying to overthrow the Romans. And that was kind of happening when Jesus was around too, but it was starting to intensify. Uh, and eventually it cultivates in them overthrowing the Romans in Jerusalem for two or three years, and the, the Romans come back and destroy Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, so we're kind of in the in-between period between Jesus and when this took place, so um, it's getting kind of heated. Um, people are more and more open to the idea of being angry and rebellious uh, in the Jewish community. Uh, most of the Jews were expecting a militant Messiah who would come and overthrow the Romans and become king. So the audience would have understood this. This was kind of, there was a lot of anger at this time in the community. But James says that instead of being angry, we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. But the reason he says this is because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And that's really the idea I want us to keep from these first three verses, especially as we go through the rest of this passage. Uh, I, I kind of want us to keep this idea that um, there is a type of righteousness that God desires and a type that he doesn't. 
and, and that we kind of define what righteousness is, but that doesn't necessarily always line up with what God thinks it is. And so I kind of want us to, to remember that idea and keep that in our heads as we go through the rest of this passage. So verses 22 to 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. And when I was reading this, before I even opened the commentary, the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this was the words deceive yourselves and how intense that is. If you just listen to what the Bible says, if you read it, you hear the words, but you don't actually do what it says. If you don't apply what you heard to your life, he says you're deceiving yourself. And that's an intense idea to think about. Um, Kind of the idea that you get from this is that if the word of God is planted in you like a seed, and it lives in you, there is definitely a sense of development or growth that takes place in your life as you receive it. And something, this is a, a kind of a theme you're going to notice the further we go through James, is that there has to be fruit in your life. And, and this kind of carried from our last series, the last sermon, that you can't produce anything apart from Jesus. He's the true vine. But if you're in the vine, you should be producing fruit. But that does mean that we have a part to play as well. So for us, hearing and listening to the Word of God is right. But it is wrong if that is all we are doing, is hearing it. If we aren't applying it to our lives and responding to His Word, then it becomes wrong to just hear. Now, doing isn't a matter of being quick or slow to respond. We kind of talked about this last week, the whole running the race idea. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're really good at running the race or whether you come close to last. It doesn't matter how many times you trip up and make mistakes. What matters is that you run it. What matters is that you respond to the word. You might not be perfect at it. You might trip and fall and make mistakes. But what matters is that you try. So then James says, anyone who listens but does not do is like a man who looks in the mirror and then turns away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Because when we look in the mirror, we see our reflection. And when we look in God's word, it exposes us to our true state. If you get out of bed in the morning and look in the mirror and your hair is all messed up, you got three or four huge pimples on your face, your eyes are crusty from sleeping, and there's something stuck in your teeth, would you just shrug, turn away, and go up the door to work looking like that? Of course not. You'd look terrible. And people would notice. But that is what we do when we hear God's word addressing something in our lives that needs to change. Because when we do that, when we hear it or read it, and we don't do anything with it, we're just shrugging our shoulders and continuing on as if there's no problem at all. Why even bother looking in the mirror at all if you aren't going to wash your face and comb your hair? And that's what James is saying here. Verse 25 says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I want you to remember that they will be blessed part from last week. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
So whoever looks into the mirror of God's word and allows the spirit to work in them and change the things that need to change, whoever learns about themselves and what God desires of us, that person will be blessed. And I think that sometimes this concept of the works versus faith thing can be hard to get our mind around because we like to separate the God of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament. Because the Old Testament God has all these rules and he expects things to people and he punishes people who don't listen. And the God of the New Testament just loves and forgives me and accepts me just the way I am. And what we forget is that this is the same God. He's not a different God. The same God that led the Israelites out of the desert and time and time again was like, I'm just tired of you guys not listening. I just want to wipe you out and start over. This is the same God that sent his son to die for us and save us from ourselves. He does love us. He does forgive us. And he does accept us the way that we are. He says, come as you are. But he also loves justice and mercy. He is also a perfect and holy God who cannot stand the presence of sin. He has made a way for us to be right with him freely, and now we are. But he also gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can change and not be sinful anymore. He does accept us as we are, yes, but then he gives us the power to change and become holy if we allow him to work in us. And so the idea of this verse is that we should be applying ourselves to the word. We should be studying the word, reading the word, and in the word daily so that we can apply the word to our lives. The more you attend yourselves to the word through humble, attentive, and continual exposure, the more you're in it, the more your life is surrounded by it, you will more find a quickness to apply it, whatever you're facing. And again, this isn't about being perfect, and it's definitely not about earning your way into heaven. And you're going to hear me say that over and over through this series, because sometimes James makes it sound like it is, but... He's actually responding to the whole all I need is faith thing. And so you've got to remember this is not about saving yourself or earning your way into heaven. This is about responding to the fact that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to pay for our sin, despite the fact that we each deserve to die the same death that he did. He's not only paid for our sin, he's given us the power to change and become more like him. He's given us the power to escape from our sin. This is all about responding to that love that he's shown us to want to become more like him. This is about response. James 1, 26 to 27, and this is where it gets a little more intense. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word. And it's kind of scary to hear him say that someone's religion is worthless when he's writing to Christians. If we consider ourselves to be holy, godly people, but we do not keep a tight rein on our tongue and our anger. Because remember, that's what this whole passage is about. If we aren't silent, quick to, or quick to be silent and slow to speak, he's saying our religion is worthless. So you kind of get the sense this is one big thought, which is kind of weird because all the way through James is all these little tidbits of this and that, but here you kind of get the sense that 
he's really focusing in on this anger thing. People are lashing out in anger, um, but they're not listening to God's word and applying it to their own lives. They're worried about what other people are doing, but they're not thinking or worried about what they're doing in their lives that needs to change. If we're just hearers of the word and not doers, we deceive ourselves. Because the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, anyone who thinks they are Christian, but does not control their temper and lashes out with words against people, he says that they're deceiving themselves and their religion is worthless. And that is very big words, very strong words, and it's kind of terrifying to me as I was reading this. But then James says exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. And we kind of have to remember, uh, first century, the orphans and the widows, they were the, um, the poverty group. Because in that society, if you were an orphan or a widow, you had no support. It's not the same as now. It's, it's kind of like you had no home or food. Uh, if you were in that situation. And so, kind of we have to remember to culturally apply this. So today, I would say this is, we should be taking care of the underprivileged in society, the people who need our help. Now that can include widows and orphans, but it's not necessarily restricted to that. Helping the people who are down and out. And when you look at scripture, that's where Jesus spent most of his time, is the people who were social outcasts or rejects or the poor, the people that others didn't want to associate with. He says that taking care of and looking after these people is true religion. And that is very interesting. And I think that that's something that we need to think about and apply in our lives. Because James says our job is to apply the word of God to our lives, growing closer and closer to him. Looking after the underprivileged because that's what pleases God. Being the judge of the world is God's job. This is ours. And so that is what he says pleases God. So let's talk about what all this means for us. What does it mean today in our society and in our environment to be a doer and not just a hearer? So first of all, being a doer means exchanging anger and offense for humility. And there's one thing that I know is that it's very easy to be angry and offended. It does not require a lot of work on my part. Uh, I don't have to, like, really force myself to be angry or offended at somebody. Um, just going on one drive through Charlottetown proves that to me. I, I know Larissa gets very frustrated with my road rage. I think I've said it before, but I'm usually limited to two or three complaints a trip. Um, and then that's it. They can be as long as I want, they can be, but whatever, but once they're gone, they're gone. That's it. So. <laughs> it's not hard to be angry, and it's not hard to be offended. But it is hard to be humble. And it is hard to keep our mouth shut when we'd rather open it and give someone an earful. Being slow to speak and quick to listen is how wisdom is described throughout Scripture. And in our society... On the news, on Facebook, we see a lot of Christians getting so angry about the sins of other people. They insert themselves vocally and physically into the public sphere to call out others on their sin. And I, I never understood why before, but I do now, why it bothers me so much. Because the way that I see it, I have enough of my own sin to deal with. 
to be spending time focusing on what other people's issues are who aren't even Christians or don't even claim to follow our value system. That is God's job to be the judge of the world. My job is to focus on my sin and what I need to change in my life. But it's easier to focus on what other people need to fix in their lives than it is to focus on what I need in mine because that makes me uncomfortable. But God's word is clear that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, which means that us being angry about things in the world does not bring about the righteousness that he wants to have in the world. And so if we want to be doers of his word and not just hearers, we have to apply that as well. We have to apply that to our lives and let go of anger. Second, being a doer means looking in the mirror. I said it's not just enough to be a hearer and not a doer. You have to be a doer. But you can't be a doer if you're not a hearer, if that makes sense. You need to know what you need to do before you can know what it is you need to do. And the point of that is that we have to be studying his word. Not just in church, but at home every day. We have to be filling our lives with it, whether it's in Bible studies or just in our own personal study time. We need to know what God wants of us from his word before we can apply it to our lives. And that's why it's so important to be studying the Bible. But it's not just about knowing what's wrong. It's about accepting it. Because a big piece of the whole process and the whole life of being a Christian is repentance. And repentance only comes with honesty. We need to acknowledge with honesty where we're at before we can change. And as intense as it is, James says that if we don't look at Scripture to see how we're doing, then we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that we have something that's worth anything. But he's saying if we don't do this, we don't. And that's scary. But if we're doers, we have to accept that truth so that we can become more like Jesus. And then third, being a doer means caring about the things of God. And this is really focused on that last bit of that verse when he says that true religion is looking after the underprivileged. Isaiah 1, 16-17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Being a doer of God's word and not just a hearer means that we have to care about the things that God cares about. And there are over a hundred verses in scripture about caring for widows and orphans and the underprivileged. In the society this letter was written in, like I said, being a widower and orphan was a life sentence to living in crippling poverty as an outcast. And I don't mean struggling to pay the bills, I mean potentially being homeless with nothing to eat. The equivalent for us today can still be widows and orphans, but I think the best way, like I said, to interpret this is the underprivileged, the outcast, the down and out. That's what God cares about, is helping those people. And it's who he wants us to care about. So we kind of have to figure out what we're going to do with that um, in our lives, and how we're going to apply that as well. So in conclusion, as we work through this letter of James through the fall, uh, and as we work our way into some heavy topics uh, like this one, I want us to consider whether or not we are currently hearers of the word or doers of his word. Not what we wish we were, not what we would like to be, but what we really are today. 
Like the wireless operator on the Titanic, it does not do anyone any good if we receive the message and we just stick it under a paperweight and do nothing with it. We've received the grace of God through Jesus, and we've been given his word to edify and equip us. We can't just hear it, we have to apply it. We have to be doers of the word. So as we continue through James, let's remember that being a doer of his word means exchanging anger and offense for humility. It means looking in the mirror and not being afraid to acknowledge with honesty and repentance what we see looking back at us. And it means caring about the things that God cares about. So as we leave this week, let's do these things and consider what we need to do to apply his word individually to our lives and how we can better serve God in the pursuit of justice and mercy for the underprivileged in our community as well. Father God, I thank you that you have given us your spirit and your word to help equip us and change us. I just ask that you would help us to be brave and strong enough to not just hear these words, but to apply them to our lives, because it does take bravery and it does take strength to do it, to actually acknowledge where we are at as people and allow you to change us. I just ask that you would be with us this week as we go out to the world and to help us to be reflections of you wherever we go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.